listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community about menstrual migraines. How are you, Mary? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Everybody's favorite topic, menstruation. (laughs) Yes, exactly. The joys of womanhood. That's what I always say. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So this is one of probably the most talked about topics in our free Facebook group, Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, menstrual migraines. We get so many questions and topics topic posts, comments around menstrual migraines. So I wanted to dedicate this podcast to menstrual migraines. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) So one of the most common question, why do they happen? Huh? What is it about our periods that can generate migraines? I mean, that is definitely a mystery. Like, it's really, really interesting reading through the comments and the posts because one lady will say, oh my gosh, I have had these horrible migraines since I started my period at 12. Or the next one will say, oh, mine ended at menopause. But then you have the exact opposite in other women where mine started at menopause. Like it's, it's just not the same for every person. So it's really interesting. And like I was telling you before, I feel like if menopause, menstruation, hormones in general are the actual cause of migraines, wouldn't it be the same across the board? Wouldn't all women get them when they started their periods or wouldn't all women have them stop at menopause? So it's just very interesting. Yeah. And you're highlighting something here what is the cause? The hormones are always blamed, but you just described the fallacy of that because if it were the hormones fault, well, wouldn't everyone get this with their period, right? So we can see right away that it's not actually the hormones that are causing the problem, even though that's the most common scapegoat. And usually for women that have menstrual migraines, usually they can remember back when they were a teenager, when they first started to get their period, that they would have maybe some headaches. They might remember not feeling so great. And then usually for most women with menstrual migraines, usually in their 20s, in their early 20s, is when it really becomes debilitating and it becomes like an every period type of phenomenon. And then usually for women, it gets worse and worse over time. And when women have menstrual migraines, common thing that they're told by their doctor is that, you know, just wait until menopause, it'll get better then. I cannot think of worse advice. Like just suffer for the next 50, 60 years, you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, you know, a 30 year old, right, who's already spent eight years, maybe with pretty bad menstrual migraines, goes into the neurologist or the gynecologist and is is told to wait to menopause. I mean, we're talking 20 years. <laughs> At least. And I'm thinking like, I mean, not to dog on the, the later years in life, but like that's the time of life you want to have the most energy, you know, raising your kids or going out and exploring the world or whatever it is that you're doing with your life. That's the time of life that you want to be able to go out and conquer, you know? Exactly. So please don't tell me that I need to just suffer for 30 years to get this to go away. Exactly. Well, and then most of my clients are in their 50s and 60s. And so if they went away when the period stopped coming, then I wouldn't have the clients I have. (laughs) Right. 
So there's something really insidious about menstrual migraines because we know when they're going to come. We track our period. And so what ends up happening is the PTSD, the post-traumatic response to menstrual migraines can become quite severe. You know, it's bad enough when you have migraines. It's near universal for people who have chronic migraines to have anxiety and post-traumatic stress response because it's a flaring and remitting condition. And so we can wake up in the morning and feel great and by 4 p.m. be lying on the bathroom tile. And so who wouldn't have anxiety if you could be struck down at any moment with insidious, debilitating, you know, blow your brains out type of pain. I mean, of course you would be anxious. But with menstrual migraines, it becomes particularly insidious because we sort of have like the grim reaper hanging over our head and we know when the sickle is going to come down because we know when we're going to get our period. And I'm here, I'm over here picturing Aunt Flo in a bright red dress with a sickle. Oh my goodness, right? So it's particularly insidious. I certainly, when I was getting migraines, I wouldn't get particularly menstrual migraines. I was getting migraines, you know, basically every other day. Would I get a little bit worse with my period? Sure. But I didn't have specific menstrual migraines where this is where women will feel good. Typical client that I have with menstrual migraines feels poorly at least a third of the month. So sometimes people kind of have this attitude of, well, it's just menstrual migraines. I mean, it's just one time a month. That's not really what menstrual migraines can be. One, a bad flare mid-month when you ovulate. That's no fun. And then could be a week or more. Could be seven to 10 days of migraines. And then people getting into overusing their abortive medication and then having a rebound effect, bad hangover effect, etc. So when you add all of that up, sort of best case scenario is somebody feels poorly a third of the month. Well, and I'm just thinking back, you know, to my younger days. I can't believe I said that out loud. And (laughs) how it's like every month you knew that that time was coming and I would be in bed for days because I would be in so much pain, not with the migraines, but just the period. Now adding migraines on top of that, I can't imagine that hell. And the honest truth though, is that life doesn't stop. You know, I would miss three, four days of school sometimes. And as an adult, you don't have three, four, five days or a week to take off for migraines every month. I know our group people will relate to that. Absolutely. And there's a self-consciousness factor too. There's an embarrassment factor as well. You know, you're going to work and then, oh boy, the third week of the month, Mary's not here every month. Right. (laughs) Right? It's a little bit of a tell. Right. right? That we have our period. So nobody wants that. But the post-traumatic stress response, the anxiety, right? I mean, just knowing that this is going to come back like clockwork and you know when it's going to happen. I mean, frankly, I prefer to have what I used to have, which was just kind of more random type stuff. At least if I woke up feeling good that day, I could be in denial that I wouldn't get struck down versus, oh no, here's my calendar telling me in three days I'm going to go through agony. So it's a very insidious post-traumatic response. Cancel life. I know this is coming and constantly being on guard, like constantly just waiting 
for the shoe to drop and all of that, yeah. you know? And women have to, you know, before they commit to a vacation, they've got to get the tracker out. They've got to get the calendar out, count the weeks. Should I commit to this or not? What about our kids' activities? People have, you know, daughters that are on dance teams or sons on, you know, travel uh, hockey teams and so on. It's like, well, boy, the big tournament is this week in Detroit. Can I go or not? Let me get the calendar out. It's It's a very demanding master. (laughs) That's probably the worst word possible for use. But you know what I mean? Like somebody that rules your world and you don't get to make that choice. Like that's just very demanding. It is. And, you know, Mary, what you experienced with your period, even though you didn't have the head pain, you were what you described as what we call like PMS, you know, the cramping, the mood changes, heavy bleeding, all of these things. We have been told incorrectly that this is a normal period. Right. And I would even venture to say like, this is way too much information, but like, I honestly think mine were above and beyond normal PMS. Like I was in bed rocking. I would have sweats and fevers and stomach upset. Like it was a nightmare for like three or four days a month. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I remember being a teenager and, you know, us girls talking about stuff and it was just sort of expected that we were going to be in pain, that it was supposed to be something that's painful, uncomfortable at the minimum. Yeah. And this is incorrect. And so I talked about this a little bit on podcast number five. I talked about how when we are in a state of health, the functions of the body that we don't have any control over should function without us being aware of them. And so our period is one of these normal bodily functions that should occur once a month, but without disrupting our lives. It should happen. We are going to have to deal with it, but it shouldn't be this painful event, right? Just like the example I gave on our fifth podcast, if I get up out of a chair, I shouldn't be going dizzy. I shouldn't be having the room go dark. My body should automatically adjust my blood pressure and the blood flow to keep the blood in my brain so that I don't feel dizzy and faint and things going dark, right? That happens automatically. I don't will myself before I get out of a chair. Okay, let's get the brain up, uh, get the blood up here, right? Our period is one of these processes that we don't have any control over, but when we are in a state of health, should just function like it should, and we should be able to just move on. And I honestly, hearing you say that, I'm like, okay, I would like every year of my life from about 12 to... (laughs) 25 back so I can redo that. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? 12, 13 times a year. It's no joke. It adds up. I mean, if you're spending a third of the month having symptoms associated with your period, that's a third of your life. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So when we talk about menstrual migraines, when we talk about any problems with our period, what is always blamed? Hormones. Hormones, 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 right? My hormones are off. So let's go into the physiology of our hormones, okay? Because this is really, really important for people to understand. And it's something that I had no idea of until I went to naturopathic medical school and had to learn what is the normal physiology. So our body generates our hormones for our period. Um, The main hormones for our period are estrogen, and progesterone. And those two hormones are going to go up and down over the month. And so people run all this hormone testing. They will very, very commonly. So when you have a teenage girl with menstrual 
symptoms, what do they do? They put that girl on birth control. Now, what happens when that girl gets married and wants to have children? Take her off. Well, now we got a problem. Theory. <laughs> right, exactly. So again, the thought process is that because this person has defective hormone production, we are going to have to go in with something external and manipulate her hormones. Even natural practitioners, what will they do? They will use natural substances to manipulate the hormones. Okay, the going in assumption is this person is defective at generating their hormones. And so if you open up a physiology textbook, what you will learn is that we have to detoxify our hormones. We have to clear our hormones every month. So our liver is the organ that's going to do that detoxification, do that clearing. So if we are generating a normal amount of estrogen, which when people do the hormone testing, usually the hormone amount is normal because like we talked about in podcast five, people go get lab work done and usually the lab work is normal. So we can be generating a normal amount of estrogen. The liver every month has to break that estrogen down and get it out of the body. Now to, and this process is called detoxification. Now to break estrogen down, it's a multiple step process. It's not just a one and done. That little estrogen molecule has to go through the liver and the liver will make one little change to it. And then it's going to go back out in the bloodstream, make its way back to the liver. And then the liver will make another little change to it. And then it'll go back out through the bloodstream, make it back around to the liver again. It'll make another little change to it. There's about 10 changes that the liver has to make to that estrogen molecule to actually get it out of the body. Each little change it still acts like estrogen. It's not quite estrogen, but it's going to act like estrogen in the body. So when you go in for blood work at your gynecologist, all they're looking for is the estrogen. They're not looking for all these little byproducts of the estrogen that your liver is generating each time that estrogen goes through and it's making these little tweaks until it can actually get it out. The blood work doesn't check for that. So I can be generating a quote unquote normal amount of estrogen that comes back on the blood work. But if my liver can't keep up, I'm going to have all these little estrogen metabolites that are circulating around that act like estrogen. Estrogen is the main problem hormone when we have problems with our period. So if I cannot get my estrogen out of my body every month, I'm going to have all these little estrogen metabolites that are still acting like estrogen, not detected on blood work and causing all of these symptoms. So mind-blowing. Like, I've never heard this before. <laughs> I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, ask me away. This is one of those topics, like, I don't even know where to start. So basically, what you're saying is that there's estrogen lookalikes floating around in our body that are still affecting our body, but aren't going to be picked up on tests. Blood work. Correct. And those are the little estrogen-like substances that our body is making to try to get the estrogen out every month. There are other estrogen-like molecules that are toxins that are coming in from the environment. So you know how plastic bottles are now BPA-free? That BPA molecule that is looks like a little estrogen molecule. So when they were making baby products with that BPA, you've got a little baby sucking on a pacifier with BPA 
in the plastic, they're going to absorb some of that estrogen-like molecule of BPA. And then you had children, little babies with excess estrogen type symptoms. That's why they had to take all that stuff out of baby products. So, I mean, I always heard that the BPA thing was related to cancer and estrogen is like too much estrogen is a factor in cancer. Yeah. Estrogen is a wonderful hormone when it's in the proper amount. Estrogen is one of the reasons why women tend to live longer than men. It protects our hearts. It protects our bones. It's a great hormone, but when it's in excess, it causes cells to proliferate. Estrogen is what causes the uterine lining to proliferate that generates the blood of the period. So it's a hormone that causes proliferation. So we want that to be in the right amount. We don't want that to be in excess, particularly when we have tissues that are sensitive to estrogen, like breast tissue. We don't want our breast tissue proliferating. For those of us who just pulled up Google, (laughs) I was like, I'm not familiar with this word. It says a rapid increase in numbers. So Mm -hmm. we don't want a rapid increase of estrogen. We don't want a rapid increase in our breast tissue. That's cancer, Right. right? And, you know, we have other organs that are sensitive to estrogen. We have our uterus is sensitive to estrogen. We have our ovaries that's sensitive to estrogen. So reproductive system cancers, a cause, not the only cause, but a cause of reproductive system cancers like breast cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer is due to excess estrogen because those tissues in particular are very sensitive to the effects of estrogen. We develop our breasts as a, as a girl when we start going through puberty and that estrogen starts getting produced. So there's a balance for that. We want to have breast tissue, but we don't want to have our breast tissue proliferating out of control. That's cancer. It makes me kind of curious too, when you go to a regular GP type doctor, I always think about the numbers. They say, well, your XYZ falls within normal range. And like there's been times where my hormones have been like right on the line. And it always makes me wonder like, well, just because that's normal range for a sample of a thousand women, does that actually mean that that's normal for me? It's a great question. There's no way to know that other than how you feel. And this is the case with a lot of hormones. So people go in and get their thyroid hormone tested and they're told, oh, it's normal. Well, geez, it's my thyroid hormone is normal. I'm fatigued. My hair is falling out. I'm constipated. You know, it's like, okay. (laughs) But it falls within normal range. It's within normal range. So what is the normal for you? There's no way to determine that unless you feel well, right? So if we are having symptoms, go forward a little bit here. What are the symptoms that we have too much estrogen in the system? So basically, those symptoms that we call PMS and also menstrual migraines, those are symptoms that the body generates when there's too much estrogen or estrogen-like molecules. So, so for example, cramping and heavy bleeding. The estrogen is what generates the uterine lining, which is then shed with our period. So if there's too much estrogen that we make and then too much of these little estrogen-like molecules, that uterine lining is going to be thicker. It's going to be stimulated more and it's going to be thicker. So then to get rid of it, it's more work for the uterus to get rid of a thick lining 
compared to an appropriate lining. It's really like our uterus contracts every month to shed that lining. So to get a thick lining out, we're going to have to really cramp. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to have a heavy period. The amount of progesterone that is going to be needed to offset all of that estrogen is going to be greater because it's not just your estrogen level and your progesterone level. It's what is the relative amount? What is the ratio to each other? And so many people, many women will go in, they'll get a test done, and maybe the estrogen is high. And so then the doctor says, oh, well, you're estrogen dominant, we're going to add progesterone. So with that, you're raising the progesterone level, like so your estrogen's high, so now we're going to make your progesterone high. So now you've got two high hormones. So when Aren't these like naturally supposed to fluctuate throughout the month? And if you're artificially adding, I mean, I know with birth control pills, we have the week off that the hormones are not there. But like, if you're naturally adding progesterone throughout the whole month, isn't that messing up that natural flow of hormones? It will. Many times people will just add the progesterone in the second half of the cycle because that is when the progesterone is supposed to go high. So sometimes doctors will prescribe it like that, but sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll just have it, have people take it all month long. Does not sound appealing. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of correcting, you know, women hear this all the time. Oh, you're estrogen dominant. Nobody brings the estrogen down. They just add more progesterone. Or they say, oh, your hormones are off. We're going to add birth control. Well, now we're adding even more estrogen to the fire. This is like adding more wood to the fire. Okay. We already have high estrogen or estrogen-like molecules. Now we're going to add more? That doesn't make sense either. And this is going back to being to saying that you can't even measure the lookalike. Yeah, you can measure the lookalike molecules with specialty testing, which is most medical doctors are not going to do this specialty testing. So, you know, just your standard, you go into your gynecologist and you say, you know, a lot of women, you know, they read about this online, they go in, they kind of demand, you know, look, I want some hormone testing run here. And so the gynecologist is going to run some blood work, which is just going to check the estrogen and the progesterone, the testosterone. It's not going to check these metabolites. It's not going to check the products of your liver trying to clear these hormones. So like I say, you can have normal estrogen, but off the chart of these little estrogen metabolites, and they're going to act like estrogen in the system. So the answer to this is to improve your liver's ability to clear your estrogen and your other hormones. So if you Google this, (laughs) everybody's listening to this and Googling, right? I got it ready. Don't worry, folks. (laughs) If you you. Google this, what you're going to be told to take as a supplement, right? Because the multi-billion dollar supplement industry has a supplement for every problem. So what you're going to be told to take is something called DIM or IC3. I believe I've seen that in the group. So what this does is manipulate the little pathways that the liver uses to clear these hormones. It kind of pushes the gas pedal way down and floods the body with these little nutrients, but they're particular nutrients that the liver uses to clear estrogen. And so it's like flooding your system with putting a whole bunch of gas in there, like gasoline on this fire. This is a great way for a migraine sufferer to get sick 
these things, women with chronic migraines, they will respond very poorly to this type of stuff. Okay. When we have migraines, we are very sensitive to things. This is part of migraines. When people have chronic migraines, I used to be very sensitive to the sun. I used to be very sensitive to all this kind of stuff, noise and all all the typical things that migraine sufferers are sensitive to. Because we are predisposed to migraines, when we are in that migraine state of health, we are super sensitive to everything. So you cannot just flood us with a bunch of gasoline. It's going to make us sick. So this is not what I do. Many people have already tried this. They say it doesn't work. Dr. Leslie can't help me. I've already tried everything. This is not what I do. What we have to do is work on the three things that restore us to health. So those three buckets that I talk about, the three principles that I talk about all the time. The first principle is getting the nutrients to every cell in the body. Second principle is clearing metabolic waste and toxins. And the third principle is restoring our resiliency and vitality. So the mistake that people make when they start to go down this rabbit hole of excess estrogen, menstrual migraines, PMS, they only focus on detoxifying the estrogen. So let me ask you, quick question because I want to make sure everyone, including myself, understands. So by having excess hormones, I think I've asked you this in a different episode, but like, are we, is your body and those hormones sending a message up to your brain to scream? Like how, (laughs) like how does the uterus and the hormones and all of that end up connecting to a migraine? To a migraine. Okay. Yes. Great question. So when we have a period There is a tremendous load of metabolic waste material that we have to process as part of our period. So the uterine lining has to break down and it has to be shed. That process naturally generates a tremendous amount of metabolic waste material. You think of that lining degrading and being shed each month. There's a lot of metabolic wastes that are generated and released as part of that process. Our liver has to clear the metabolic waste material that we generate. We are continuously, through our normal metabolism, generating metabolic waste material, right? So even if we were living on a pristine mountaintop, our liver is continuously clearing the waste material that we generate. We women, we, through our period, are going to generate this extra waste material that has to be processed. So when that period starts, when that breakdown of the uterine lining process starts, this is where the flood starts to hit our liver every month of metabolic waste material. Gotcha. So we're already overloaded with the hormones we're not breaking down. We're generating even more uterine lining than we should. Now we've got even more metabolic waste material to shed. See how this all adds up? Right. And then it basically is clogging up the liver. Like it can't process it fast enough. Totally overwhelmed. Okay. I'm like, is that the right way to put it? (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Yes, I'm glad you asked that so I could tie all those pieces together. So now we've got the picture of what's going on here, right? Our poor little liver. So in order to solve this problem, we have to work on all three principles. We just cannot take isolated nutrients for estrogen detoxification. It's not going to work. We always have to operate within these three principles. So first principle, getting the nutrients to every cell in the body. Well, what nutrients does the liver need 
for detoxification because we've got to process more than just the estrogen, more than just the progesterone, more than just the testosterone. We've got to process all the metabolic waste material from the uterine lining. That's more than DIM. You cannot put all of the nutrients that the liver needs to do that work in a capsule. It's not going to work let alone if we have blockers to filling up that first bucket. For most common blocker, like we've talked about on previous podcasts, is going to be our digestive function. You can take a DIM capsule if your digestion is not working properly, you're not even going to get it out of the capsule. So to take care of this problem, first we have to make sure that that first bucket is full. Then we have to look at the second bucket and gently support the detoxification in a holistic fashion for the liver, not isolated estrogen nutrients, but really get the liver up and running so that it can do this every month. Because remember, we got the uterine lining metabolic waste material that has to be cleared too. It's more than just the hormones. And then the third bucket, we have to have enough resiliency and vitality to have the period in the first place. It takes a lot of energy to have a period every month. I hope everybody is appreciating just how much work our bodies are doing. Exactly. Like we don't know it's always happening, but there's so much going on. There's so much going on. It's so complex. The advances that we have made over the past hundred years and the insight that we have into human biochemistry and human physiology is tremendous. If you could see the bookcase behind me in my office, it's filled with these books around the physiology and the biochemistry, but we don't know everything yet. And so we go in and we try to manipulate things with prescriptions like birth control or supplements like DIM, we don't know what we're doing. This is why we have to go back to fundamental principles. You know, Newton, if you look at Newton and his insights into physics, Newtonian physics allows us to do some amazing things. You can put a rocket in space with Newtonian physics. He didn't know what Einstein knew. He didn't know about all of the subatomic particles and everything else. When it comes to the human body, we don't know all the little subatomic particles and stuff like that. We pretend that we do with the drugs and with the supplements and things like that, but we don't. We're just kidding ourselves. We have to operate on fundamental basic principles and let the body do what it is supposed to do. When the body has the nutrients that it needs, I mean, let's not forget our ovaries need nutrients to produce the estrogen and the progesterone every month. Our uterus needs nutrients to produce the lining. So it's not just an isolated nutrient supplement. It's not a prescription. These three principles are at play in every organ system of the body, in every cell of the body, and in our body as a whole. They are at play. And that's what we have to work on to take care of this problem. So we have migraines that are basically coming from our hormones being over flooded and not broken down properly and not gotten rid of through the liver properly. It brings up kind of a, I have so many thoughts. One question I keep thinking back to is why is it that some people start when they're 12 with the migraines and menstrual migraines? Why is it that some women don't start until they're, you know, 30s? And then why is it some women start after menopause, but then other women suddenly are cured of quote unquote, cured of migraines in their late years. It's very, I mean, you would think that if it was just the hormones causing it, like we were saying, that would be the same thing across the board, but it's not the hormones. So why is it that it's fluctuating age-wise? Yes. So when you take a 12-year-old girl that's just starting to menstruate, 
How full are her three buckets? That's a very good question. When I was that age, probably full of Cheetos. <laughs> Let's be honest. Right? So, you know, how early are symptoms going to start depends on how early these three buckets start getting depleted. How early we start to develop blockers from filling up those buckets. So would it be safe to say that if someone has the switch turned off at menopause, that the body is no longer being taxed as much? So suddenly they're able to process the toxins better so they no longer get migraines? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. If somebody is sort of right hovering on the line, the absence of the period, right, the decline in the hormone load, and then the lack of those metabolic waste materials from the period itself every month, that could be enough to alleviate the migraines. So interesting. Now, that is not always the case, but that could be one explanation. The other explanation is that people get too sick to generate migraines. This is another factor. So, When we are in a state of health, it's like our needle is pointing north, right? When we feel good, our needle is pointing north and we don't have symptoms. For those of us who are prone to migraines, it's sort of like when our needle is pointing northwest, that's our migraine zone. Uh Uh-oh, now my needle's pointing northwest, here comes a migraine. We can get, our needle can go west, be pointing west. We could be even further away from health even further away from a state of health, and we can drop out of our migraine zone. We can get too sick to generate a migraine. That, to me, that seems mind-blowing. Like, how is that? So just because the migraines have gone away does not mean that somebody is in a better state of health. We can get so sick that the body can no longer generate migraines. You have to understand how much energy it takes for the body to generate a migraine. It takes a lot of energy. And so we can get so depleted that we can no longer generate a migraine. That is a scary thought. It is. This is the same for colds and flus. It takes a tremendous amount of energy for the body to generate a cold or a flu. And so people say, oh, I haven't gotten a cold in 10 years. My colleagues who work in oncology, this is a very common thing. People will be shocked that they have cancer because they haven't gotten a cold in 15 years. You can be so sick that you can no longer generate a cold. Okay, so a lot of people will kind of brag, oh, well, I'm healthy. I haven't gotten a cold in a long time. Well, it, de- it depends. You can never get a cold for years and years and years, but you can feel like hell. So these things that we kind of say that are like cut and dry, you know, I'm healthy because I never got a cold or I'm healthy because I can run a marathon. It's not necessarily the case. You really have to look at the context of things. So just going back to another episode, we talked about like, how do you know, how do you measure if the body is in a state of health? And you just said, because you feel good. Like it really is that simple, right? Right. It really is that simple. When we are in a state of health, we feel good. We don't have symptoms. Our body is functioning normally. We can sleep through the night. We don't have an agonizing period. So for these people who get clockwork on your period migraines or ovulating migraines or, you know, menopause migraines, what is it that they need to do so that they can hit the three principles and stop getting, stop generating migraines? I know that's probably a really big can of worms, but. (laughs) Well, I think the first thing that they have to do, and I mean this very seriously, the first thing that they have to do is they have to realize 
that they can take action and they can turn this around, that they're not defective, they're not doomed, they are just not doomed to have a bad period. And I don't mean this to sound trite. This is the biggest barrier for people to feeling better is they don't believe it's possible. And so, you know, why, why are we doing this podcast, right, to get this message out to people? And so the first thing is to not take it anymore, not put up with it anymore. I think anytime, and I see this in so many ways, like I'm in the middle of trying to lose weight. And I think that we give ourselves this, well, I've tried everything catchphrase. And while it sounds good because you are working so hard, you've tried everything, using that phrase shuts your brain off. It shuts your creativity off. It shuts possibility off. It makes it so you're not willing to try something new because you've already tried everything. And I think that's a very dangerous place to go, very hopeless place to go as well. And I see a lot of comments like just in the last couple of weeks, it made me want to cry, honestly, like to see someone post in there that they just literally don't know what to do because they have no life left. And I'm like, that's not a place any of us want to be or deserve to be in. Right. But once you realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not doomed just because my mother had menstrual migraines, just because my grandmother had menstrual migraines. I'm not, my genes do not determine my destiny. We need to do a whole podcast on genetics too. Yes. Put that on the list. I am writing it down as we speak. (laughs) But you know, once we realize, oh, wait a minute, I can take action within these three principles that I talked about, we will start to feel better once we take action within these three principles. So my recommendation for people is number one, realize that you are not doomed. You are absolutely not doomed. It is not normal for women to go through hell with their periods. And then number two, reach out and get the help that you need. I'm going to tell you, you won't figure this out on your own. I have been on my own migraine journey for going on 25 years now. I left a very successful career to go to naturopathic medical school, upended my entire life to do this. I am continuously studying this. I've devoted my life to this. You're not going to figure this out by Dr. Googling. Get the expert help that you need. Life is way too short for you month after month after month to do this Dr. Googling. Right. And Dr. Googling is a one-way ticket to spaghetti on the wall. (laughs) Practicing. (laughs) 100%. And I had a really good conversation with a client of mine named Sarah, who I think really articulated very well how this monthly, you know, DIY approach, monthly Dr. Googling approach hurts us psychologically. So we'll link to her story. She and I had a great conversation. We'll link to that in the show notes. So that would be my sincere advice for everybody listening. You're not going to figure it out on your own. That's okay. It requires expert help. People think that because they can take a natural supplement, you know, because it's something natural that's sold in Whole Foods, it can't be that complicated. But that's not true. I don't We're know talking if about anyone the- else is like me, but I tend to be like, ooh, the answer is magnesium. And then I go 
hog wild on magnesium for like a month or two. And then I may or may not feel better or I end up with the runs, either one. I've never done that, to be honest. But like I go all in on something and then it doesn't give me the results I want. And then you go right back to I've tried everything and you shut down. And if it were the magnesium, I wouldn't be working on this condition. I would just tell people to take magnesium and I would move on with my life onto something else. It's much more complicated. We're talking about we humans are unbelievably complex systems. We have our physical aspect and we have our mental and emotional and spiritual aspect as well. And we've been talking a lot about the physical aspects of menstrual migraines. I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast on the mental and emotional aspects that play a role with women's menstrual symptoms, and menstrual migraines. So there's that aspect too. So I think it's a great question and very, this is my very, very sincere advice. If you're not going to reach out to me, reach out to someone that you feel is an expert in this and get the help that you need, please. I mean, I'm bottom line, like, I think I've known you long enough, Leslie, to know that you have such a genuine and true heart. And like, bottom line is like, if they're not getting help from you, you just really do want people to stop suffering, period. Absolutely. Well, Mary, did this answer your questions on menstrual migraines? How do we do? <laughs> I think we nicked the surface, honestly. <laughs> There's so many. Every time we do an episode, I'm like, oh, I have 300 more questions. But it's a good start, right? <laughs> we got to start someplace. Yeah. I think it was a great conversation. Well, wonderful. And thank you for listening. And before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. And do you know someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? Please share this podcast with them. Share it on your social media, email, etc. Please get this information into the hands of other women who have been praying for this information. And if you want to stay connected, join my free Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life. Go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, on Facebook or Healing Migraines migrainesnaturally.com and we'll redirect you there. Well, wonderful, Mary. I will talk to you soon. Awesome. See you then.